Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Word of God is a living book. So what does that mean? Well, we talked in Sunday school this morning about that word inspired and how that the root meaning of that word implies that it was breathed into men's hearts and men's minds by God. That when we say that the Word of God was inspired by God, it doesn't just mean, well, they thought about God. And it caused them to write some words, you know, that, that sounded good to them or thought good, but rather that they were words breathed through men from God to us. It, literally, God breathed it right through them to us. They were just a medium that God used to bring us His Word. And I don't know how many times I have read the book of Jonah. It's a short book, four chapters. I mean, you could read it. Uh, if you read much at all in the span of just a few minutes, if you wanted to, really, within a half an hour at least, anyone probably could read this whole book. And all the chapters are pretty short. Um, the first chapter is 17 verses. You've got 10 verses in the second and 10 verses in the third and just 11 there in the fourth chapter. I mean, it is shorter than the longest chapter in the Bible, the whole book. And yet within it, there is just a wealth of something that God is speaking to us. The Lord has given us so much in His Word, and this is such a rich place, and uh, every night at the end of VBS, uh, myself and Brother Dennis, we, we, we kind of alternated throughout the week uh, going to this book and looking at some of the things maybe that the Lord brought out to our hearts. And the very first day, Monday, as we were kind of, you know, we, I knew we were, we were going to be teaching the, uh, the juniors class, Brooke and I, and we were going to be going through this book, so I read the book of Jonah, all of it, like I said, very short there on that first day. And I mean, Monday afternoon when I read it, the Lord jumped out in my heart, uh, a certain verse here in chapter 4, and throughout the week, it just grew in my heart and grew in my mind, and this morning, I really wanted to go somewhere else, if I could be honest. Uh, I wanted to get away from Jonah um, because the message of Jonah and the message that God tried to give Jonah specifically was a hard message. The message that God gave Jonah to take to Nineveh was, was tough, but man, it had a wonderful upside. The message was the city of Nineveh is going to be destroyed in 40 days. I mean, that, that's a tough message to receive. Your home's going to be overthrown and everything you love is going to be taken. But when they turned from their sin in chapter 3 and they dressed themselves in sackcloth, the, the chapter teaches that their king even told them to put it on their, their animals, on their livestock. And they fasted and they prayed to God. God showed them mercy. And that is a wonderful picture of the mercy and the long-suffering nature of God. And the whole, the whole book of Jonah is about the long-suffering nature of God. 
So I will say, well, didn't God send a great fish to eat Jonah? Yes, and that was the merciful hand of God. If God hadn't sent that great fish to eat Jonah in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah would have died in the ocean. They threw him over in the midst of the ocean, in the middle of a storm, and that boat was going on without him. There was only one ending for Jonah in that scenario, and that was that he was going to die. And he describes it in chapter 2, how that his soul fainted. And he is describing a man who is about to die, but God sent that great fish along to swallow him up. And in doing so, it was rough. Let's not, let's not mince words about it. I've never been swallowed by a fish. I don't want to be. Amen. Do you? <laughs> Thank you. I don't want to be swallowed by a great fish. I imagine it was bad. In chapter 2, he compared it. He said, out of the belly of hell cried I. He said, it's like being in hell down here. I mean, that's pretty rough. Wouldn't you agree? So it was a bad place for him to be, but he was still alive. And three days later, he was coughed up on dry land and felt the sun and the breeze and all that once again. And God showed him that even though he went through something terrible, that on the other side of it, there was something good. Amen. And that's a very good and gracious and merciful message from God. That even when you utterly reject Him, if you'll turn to Him again, no matter where you're at, He'll receive you. Amen. What a powerful message that is. But in chapter 4, we've gone through the, the running toward Tarshish. We've gone through the eating of the great fish. We've gone through Jonah finally submitting and going to Nineveh and preaching. And we see God's mercy when He sent the fish to rescue him. We see God's mercy when He allowed those mariners who had taken Jonah out in the middle of the storm, He allowed them all to live. He showed His mercy when you go to Nineveh and preaches, and that city of 120,000 or so men, not counting, I would say, women and children, all turned from their sin and turned to God, and God spared all of them. Amen. We see God's long-suffering and His merciful hand, don't we? But in Jonah chapter 4, we get a really good look at the character of Jonah. Let's read together in Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and this is, this is after the final verse of the previous chapter, and I'll read that to you for the sake of context, where it says that the people of Nineveh all turned and they covered themselves in sackcloth and they prayed and fasted. It said God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. Well, that's a reason to rejoice. Amen. The Bible says there's... Rejoicing in the presence of the angels whenever anyone is saved. And, and I mean, that's exactly... A whole city... Brother Joe and I were talking before church, and he mentioned Noah, how that Noah preached for over a hundred years and never saw a single convert, that Jonah preached for one day and 120 plus people turned to God. I mean, that, that's a miracle. Can we agree? It is a miracle. I dare say there's not one of us who could walk into a metropolitan area like Louisville and walk around for a day preaching and see a hundred people, or two hundred people, or three hundred people just fall on their face and cover themselves in black sackcloth. And I'm not saying God couldn't do it, but when's the last time you saw that happen? A whole city turned. You know what's even more miraculous than that? The king turned. Amen. What would happen if there was a revival downtown Washington, D.C., and the president and everybody else turned to God and fell on their face? Man, we would, we'd rejoice, wouldn't we? We ought to, but that's not what Jonah did. In verse 1, Jonah, it says, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed, now first of all, what a reaction. 
I would think that this guy had probably would have learned his lesson by now. But apparently not. He prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Everything you just said about God is good. Right? He said, he's gracious, amen, merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. But when he's saying it, he's very angry. He's yelling compliments at God angrily. That's crazy. Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Verse 4, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? Six words. God asks Jonah a very powerful question. And it is a question that is hard for a human being to answer. Because we're human. Just like Jonah was human. You say, yeah, but Jonah was a prophet of God. Sure he was. A human. Just like me. Just like you. Jonah had a lot of problems. And we just talked about some of them. In the midst of everything that he's gone through, I want to look at this chapter and I want to ask you the same question we're going to look at it that God asked him. I want to focus on those six words. Doest thou well to be angry? Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us and to bless the message. God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. God, thank you that you're gracious. Thank you that you're long-suffering, that you're slow to anger, that you're merciful. Thank you that you love us, God, in spite of the fact that we are unlovable sometimes. Most of the times, God, I'm unlovable. God, thank you that you love me in spite of me. God, thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. And I pray, to, I pray this morning, God, if you would, please, please fill this place with the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, help me to preach, Lord, with, with power and with authority, and help me, God, to preach with compassion God, I pray, Lord, this morning, God, touch our hearts with Your Spirit. Help us not to be as Jonah, Lord, to look on things through a carnal spirit, an angry spirit, Lord, a worldly and, and, and selfish spirit. Help us, God, to look on Your Word and to hear the message with a humble and contrite spirit. We need You, God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show you, first of all, Jonah's selfish personality. When we read the account of the life of Jonah, we can all admit, we, I mean, I think we can all admit, in all honesty, he's not a very likable guy, is he? He complains a lot. He's rebellious. Amen? Are you seeing that? He's always got something to say, and it's never good. Have you noticed that? Even when he says good things, it's with a, it's with a negative spin. He is yelling compliments at God, and the Bible says he's exceeding displeased and very angry. That's what we find about Jonah. He's not a likable character. The example of Jonah in the Bible is not like the example of Christ. He is not here to show us how to respond to God. He's here to show us how not to respond to God. Amen. When the result is getting eat by, eaten by a whale, you don't want to follow that path. I don't want to land where he landed. Amen. 
I don't want to land in the ocean thinking I'm going to die and then getting eaten, eaten by a whale just to survive. I'd rather just, you know, go to Nineveh, wouldn't you? That was a much shorter path you could have gone with a lot less suffering. So the example we know of Jonah is not one that we're meant to follow, but it is one that we're meant to learn from. The Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So we know there's a profit here for us. I want you to, show, I want you to see just, just, let's just talk about Jonah. Just him. I just want you to see him. In the Bible, from what I can tell, there's really only one other thing that we know about Jonah, and it is from the book of 2 Kings chapter 14. One verse, 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, tells us that God used him to restore his word unto Jerusalem, uh, or unto Israel, during the reign of Jeroboam II. So, we know that God used Jonah at some point to do something good. I believe it is before this, because when we read in Jonah chapter 1, the Bible says the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, and when the Lord is coming unto him, he's not surprised by it. So I think this is not the first time the word of the Lord's come to him. I think before this, Jonah has been used by God. Whether it's the whole story of 2 Kings, I don't know, but he's been used by God. God had a purpose for Jonah, and he used him to help Israel. And Jonah was fine with that, because Jonah was an Israelite, and he liked Israelites. And so he was fine with helping Israel, but God had a greater purpose for Jonah than just helping his friends and family. He wanted to use him to do a miraculous work in a wicked city. Amen. So we see Jonah, his character, what we know from the Bible, we know what's said in the book of Jonah and one verse in 2 Kings in chapter 14. So we don't have a lot of information about him. We know that he was used for some good, but the thing, that's one verse, one quick reference, and moving on, but we know with great detail the bad things he did. That's his legacy. That's, I mean, we get a really good look into the life of Jonah and his character more than we do many other people in the Bible, can we agree? I mean, we see his reaction to God, we see him reacting to all kinds of circumstances, but in Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 1, we see first he was displeased. Y'all know what that means, to be displeased. It means you don't like something. Can, it, can we all admit we're all way, way more prone to talk about things we don't like than things we do? Is that all right? Go read at reviews on Amazon, and you'll see a lot of people, you know when they go write their reviews, when they're mad. For every bad review, there's probably 100 people out there that liked it, but didn't care enough to go say something about it. But man... You get your, or they get your order wrong at McDonald's, and you'll call, the, you'll call the headquarters. You know, I mean, when we get displeased, it really gets us going, doesn't it? I mean, we can all rally behind something we don't like. And that was Jonah. Jonah was very heavily motivated, motivated are y'all listening, by things he did not like. Can we agree? He was, the Bible says he was exceedingly displeased. Exceedingly means above and beyond. I mean, it's gone far beyond... Uh, a, a, a pet peeve or an annoyance. He is mad and he's going to let somebody know about it. He's displeased. Not only was he displeased, but he was dramatic. How do I know? Well, let's look at verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, repent thee evil. Therefore, now, O Lord, I take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. God just rescued you out of the middle of an ocean with a whale 
And now because he is going to spare over a hundred thousand people, you're asking God to kill you. Does that sound dramatic? Does that seem like an overreaction? Can we agree that that's an overreaction? Yes or no? Yes. It's overreacting. He is overreacting. Amen. Kill me. You're going to save them? Fine. Kill me instead. That doesn't make any sense. God just rescued you out of what you called the belly of hell. And now you're saying, you know what, God? This is worse than that. Kill me. He didn't ask God to kill him in the well. He asked God to rescue him. He he called out and he said, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I'm vowed. A couple days later, kill me, God. Man, that's dramatic, isn't it? He was displeased. He was dramatic. He was disdainful. Verse 5. In verse 4, God asks him that that pointed question, doest thou well to be angry? In verse 5, you know what Jonah says? Nothing. He does not respond to God. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. You know what he said? I'm going to sit myself down right here and I'm going to watch and I'm hoping God just kills all of them. The only thing he wanted was for them to suffer. Can you all see that? He hated them. He had nothing but disdain for them. But let's be fair to Jonah. They were wicked. They hated God. They hated the Israelites. He had seen their sin. I imagine when he was walking through and preaching, he saw some things that absolutely turned his stomach. This is a wicked city of the Assyrian Empire that had no use for God when he walked in. And now suddenly, because they threw on some black cloth and called out to God, God's just going to pretend nothing ever happened. Well, he's, he just has righteous indignation. He is, he is jealous on God's behalf. He knows better than God. Amen. Amen. Oh, God, you won't be mad? I'll be mad for you. He's full of disdain for them and everything they've done. He can't stand the way they do this, and he can't stand the way they've done that. They didn't treat these people right, or they haven't done this right. And he hopes God rains down fire from heaven on them. Amen. I think he parked himself up on the east side hoping for a Sodom and Gomorrah situation. He wanted to see that place leveled. And that's why he hung around. Not to see the salvation of God, but to see the wrath and judgment of God. Hoping that they'd, uh, give them a minute, give them a minute, they'll turn around, they'll go back to their wickedness, and God will come through, and I'll get to see it all done, and then I'll be right. Full of disdain. He was dramatic. He was displeased. He was disdainful. He was downright childish. That's harsh. Well, you know what? This is what Jonah showed us, isn't it? We're just talking about Jonah. Verse 6, the Lord prepared a gourd. You know what a gourd is? A gourd's not really good for much. I mean, you know, we use them for decorations, stuff like that. You can make, they make instruments out of them, all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, we think something similar with some use, you know, like a pumpkin's kind of like a gourd. And Anyway, it's not really got a lot of use, but for Jonah it had one specific use. Shade. 
And the Lord God, after asking him, doest thou well to be angry? And Jonah plops down, makes him a little booth and sits down there on the hill and souls up and is watching. God sends a gourd. And it came, he made it to come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Jonah was overcome with uh, displeasure and he was overcome with anger because the people of Nineveh had been spared. When this gourd showed up, man, he was overcome with gladness. God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day, it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east, excuse me, east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. Can we all agree that this is childish? I lost my shade tree. I wish I was dead. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not making this up. I'm not expounding and adding my flair to it. That's exactly what happened. He was overjoyed by the shade. And when the shade was gone and he felt the wind and the sun, he said, it'd be better if I was dead. How childish that he would get so bent out of shape over something so small that literally he's got no interest in any work God might want him to do. He's got no interest in going back to his people in Israel and helping them. He's got no interest in going into Nineveh and preaching the gospel. He's got no interest in anything. Just kill me. There's no reason left for me to live. Why? Because I'm hot. Because the wind is blowing on me. Because my circumstances aren't exactly what I want them to be. That's, all, that's just the Scripture. Can you all see that? I'm not trying to paint some fantastical picture. I'm just telling you exactly what happened. God sent a gourd to give him shade for one day. And when the shade was gone, he said, he fainted, he laid back. Oh God, it would be better for me if I was just dead. He was difficult. Verse 9, God said to Jonah, by the way, God doesn't just repeat himself willy-nilly. When God says something, it's important. When God says something twice, you better listen. That's why Jesus repeated over and over again, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, because it's important. You understand? When God repeats himself, you better listen. And here he says again, Doest thou well to be angry? But he adds a little addendum here for the gourd. Now you were angry about those people and I asked you a question and you didn't answer. So let me, let me ask you again, but this time let's change direction. Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Come on, Jonah. Come on. Jonah was hard-headed. Had he already forgotten chapter 1 and chapter 2? Had he already forgotten what happened when he ran from God? He was going to die in the ocean? Had he already forgotten what it was like to be inside that fish's belly? Had he already forgotten what it was like when that fish spit him out because of the grace of God and he felt the sun and the wind and now he's mad about the sun and the wind? I bet when he was in that belly he thought, if I could just feel the sun and the wind one more time. And now here he is, the sun's beating down on him and the wind's blowing and he's mad about it. 
How quick is he to forget? He was difficult. He's kind of dense. Nothing gets through his head. It's like there's no way you can say it, or no one who could say it, because I mean, literally God is saying it, and it's still not getting through. You think God was just curious? And He was just really wanting to know, Jonah, do you, are you doing good? You think God, or you think maybe that was a rhetorical question? You think God knew Jonah's motivations? The Bible says He doesn't look on the countenance, but He looks on the heart. You think He knew what was going on inside Jonah's head? Uh, seriously, do you think He knew? Yes or no? So why is God asking him a question? Because He wants him to learn something. God wants Jonah to get it. I mean, God is going far out of His way to get Jonah to get it. God could have just let Jonah die in the ocean and picked anybody else to go do this job. Amen. God could have got somebody else just like that. God could have sent an angel to do it. God could, He sent angels to Sodom and Gomorrah. He could have done anything, but He didn't. He wanted Jonah to get it because He loved him. He cared about him. If He didn't, He wouldn't have saved him with that fish. He would have let him die in the ocean. He cared about Jonah. He's trying His best to get His attention and to get him to hear something. Can you all see that? So Jonah, what do we know about his selfish personality? He was displeased. Everything, just everything annoys him. Things that yesterday made him happy, today they get on his nerves. He's just a displeased, unhappy person. He's dramatic. Just kill me, God. Just let me die. He's disdainful. He hates the people who are not like him, who have done him wrong, and he's never going to change his mind. He's downright childish, and he's difficult. He don't listen to God. Then I want you to see God's salient point in verse 9, 10, and 11. God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Don't say that to God. Then said the Lord. Now what God could have said and would have been right in saying is, Don't talk to me that way. And then poofing him out of existence. Jesus said, Don't fear Man, those who have the ability to destroy the body, but fear God who has the ability to destroy both the body, soul, spirit. Here's God. He's pointing a finger. God looks down at him and He says, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And when He's saying that, He's saying, I'm the one that did that. I sent the gourd and now you're pointing your finger at me. Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? God's salient point first is that Jonah's care was misplaced. He cared for things that did not matter. He cared only for what benefited him. And he cared nothing for the well-being of anybody else. He's literally hungry for the death of hundreds of thousands of people, and he's angry and depressed to the point of death because he lost his shade tree. And that's just the facts. His care was misplaced that he cared about temporal, temporary, minor things that was not moved 
by important things like life and death and eternity. He cared about that gourd not because it was beautiful, not because God made it, not because it was a gift from God, but because it made him feel more comfortable. I can see Jonah, it might as well be young. Can you hear him saying, it's not fair? Now I don't have any shade, and the sun's so bright, and it's so windy, it's not fair. All them Ninevites down there, they're all just living it up like everything's fine. Meanwhile, I'm up here about to, I'm about to die on this hill. God just killed me. He cares about things that have no real meaning or value or worth and has no care for things that are eternal and matter. He cares more for that plant than he does those people down in that city. His care was misplaced. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, said, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Would you say Jonah's exemplifying that? The only thing Jonah cares about is Jonah. Me and mine, my four and no more. Y'all heard those sort of things? Blood is thicker than water. What matters to me and mine is more important than anything else. That's his message. We see his cause lacked mercy. Did Jonah go preach? Yes, he did. Why'd he do it? God made him. God made that fish spit him out on the land. He said, that which I vowed to do, I will do. So he did. And when he did it, he turned around, stomped up on top of the hills, plopped down, crossed his arms, points his finger at God. He's mad about it. God, you just made me do this, and I don't care about these people, and I didn't want to come anyway, because I knew you're merciful and good, and, and you love everybody, I knew you'd save them. How dare you, God? His, his cause lacked mercy. He wanted to go preach, and his thought was this, if it don't go the way I want it, I'm not going to be happy about it. Amen. That's Jonah. Can you all see Jonah? His cause of going, he's a preacher now. Prophet of God, preaching the Word of God, no mercy in his heart. No love. He's only concerned with what benefits him. Luke chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus said this, He said, As you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much gain. Verse 35, listen to this. But love ye your enemies. Do good. Lend and hope for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be like the children of the highest. Why? For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Jesus had mercy. Jesus loved people who did not love him. He cared about his enemies. When they're down there casting lots over his clothes while he bleeds every drop of his blood for you, me, and them... He said, Father, forgive them. 
Well, I, I love the people who are kind to me, and I'm nice to the people who are nice to me, and, and, and bless God, I don't have to do anything else. That's what Jonah said. But Jesus said this, everybody does that. Everybody loves people who love them. Everybody's nice to people who are nice to them. Everybody lends to people when they're going to get something back for it. When there's a me component, everybody does it. But if you're a Christian and you've got the love of God in you, then you need to love your enemies. Those, Jesus said in another place, that despitefully use you. Mm. That's hard. His care was misplaced, his calls like mercy. Let me hurry. I want you to see God's question was meaningful. He looked at Jonah twice and said, Doest thou well to be angry? It's one thing to be angry. Can you all hear me today? It's one thing to be angry. It's one thing to sin. It's one thing to hate somebody in your heart or to get your feelings hurt and offended and get upset about something. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing that after you do it, to look at God and say, I'm right. I get offended. I get my feelings hurt. I get mad over silly things like when I'm hot and tired or grumpy, amen, or when my son won't go to sleep after midnight. But I don't get mad and act like a fool and then when God speaks to my heart and says, was that right? Go, yes, I'm right even unto death. No. When God asked Jonah, doest thou well to be angry, the question was this, Jonah, you know better than this. Jonah, you know you're not right. You know you're wrong. Look at yourself. Examine yourselves, as the Bible says. Step back and just listen to yourself. You ever got into it with somebody, and man, they were saying things so off color and off the wall, you were just like, holy cow. And you say, listen to yourself. Wake up, snap out of it. Do you hear what you're saying? Do you really think that what you're saying is right? And I've been in the place when I was wrong, and I said, yes. In my heart, I knew better than that. Have you ever been there? Have you? Proverbs 14, 16 says this, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. It is one thing to make a mistake, to get mad, to lash out, to do wrong, to say wrong. It's another to do wrong. And the message come right where you're at, right in your business, and say, I'm right. When God asks if you're right, you're not. Hey, look at me, everybody in the building. When God asks if you're right, He doesn't ask for no reason. He asks with meaning, with purpose. He asks because He loves us. That's why He asked Jonah. He wanted Jonah to repent. He wanted Jonah to say, no, I'm not right. I'm sorry. But Jonah said, I'm right even unto death. And God, I just picture God shaking His head. You really think that the gourd is important, but I shouldn't spare 120,000 persons and so much more cattle. That, that your comfort is more important than the lives of others. 
Let me ask you this simple question, and we're coming down to an end. We see Jonah's selfish personality. I think we can all agree he's selfish. We see God's salient point where he's trying his best to get him to see it. Proverbs 26, 12 says this, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There's more hope of a fool than of him. And a fool is a person who does not believe God. When you're wise in your own conceit, so wise that ah, nobody can tell them anything, you can't tell them, doesn't matter if you preach it, don't matter if you, doesn't matter if, if God wrote it on the skies in heaven, they still wouldn't hear it. There's more hope of a fool than them. I want you to see our similar propensities, the things that we are naturally tended toward. You know what the fact of the matter is? We're all like Jonah. Sometimes we're all like Jonah. And God has given us this book for one very particular reason. He wants us to learn something. The, the decorations and, and all the things we've done at VBS, you know, getting all this out, we do it because we want it to be, you know, we want the kids to like it. We want it to be special. We want it to, but we only do that because we want to give them this. This is what matters. And the fish and all the stuff that happened to Jonah, that was all just a vehicle for God to give him this, his message. But Jonah never got it. What about you? What about our displeasure? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, I quoted it to you. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I'm giving you the scripture this morning. Now it is your job to decide if it's of any profit to you. The Bible tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's for you this morning. It was for me this morning when I was sitting down and reading and studying and praying as God was, was pricking my heart and, and condemning my heart and, and chastising me in my heart for the ways that I have acted and the things, amen, in my heart, just like Jonah, how I fail God. He's wanting to do the same thing for you because He loves you. So, well, it's an awfully harsh message. You know what? I know we see it that way, but the fact of the matter is, what a good God. That He would care enough about us that when He sees us going in the wrong path, that He would say, hey, wake up. Look up here. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. What about our displeasures? How often do we voice our displeasure at anything and everything that doesn't go the way that we think it should? Especially at the church or at home or, or at our job. We are the first to voice our displeasure. And when we are, we're Jonah. What about our drama? How often do we blow things out of proportion? This weed eater won't start, so God, just kill me. I know that's a little extreme, but I'll tell you what, there's been some times I want to take a weed eater and slam it against the concrete. Amen. I think weed eaters were created by the devil, I'll just tell you. That car won't start. Or your phone won't work right. Or, or this don't work right. Or this happens at home. Or this happens at work. Or this happens at church. And you're ready to blow it all up. That's a bit dramatic. And when we act that way, we're Jonah. But guess what? Sometimes we feel that way, but feeling a certain way is never an excuse for acting a certain way. Not when we're saved. Jesus said, the sinners do that. Sinners do that. If you've got the Holy Spirit, you can do better. Amen. 
And when we mess up, and then God says, hey, now listen, you're doing well. What should our response be? No, you're right. When my daughter says things she shouldn't say, like that time she mouthed under her breath in the back, the very first time, stupid mommy. Brooke said, what did you just say? And I was like, what? I didn't see it. She said, she just, pretty sure she just said stupid mommy. And I was like, did you say stupid mommy? Just can't believe it. I think that's God sometimes looking down at us. Are you serious? And when God says that, your response should be, I'm sorry. Not, I'm right even unto death. What about our displeasure? What about our drama? What about our disdain? We don't even got to, let's get real. When it comes to this, and can we just come right down where the rubber meets the road this morning? What's our theme this year? Dwelling together in unity. Let's get real. Our disdain in like Jonah's. Our problems with people and our anger and displeasure and distaste for folk, 90% of the time, isn't the wicked city. It's right here in the church. That's why the, that's why the church has a bad name in the mouths of so many folk because and they call us hypocrites and this and that and that and this. Because even amongst the family of God, we allow the devil and our own carnal, wicked flesh to convince us to have hatred toward one another. Here's what God said. Be ye kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. You ought to want good for him and good for her more than you even want it for yourself. That's hard. But with Christ... All things are possible. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. How can I overcome my hurt feelings? How can I overcome my anger? How can I overcome this, this overwhelming, exceeding displeasure? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What about our disdain for the brethren? What about our downright childishness? Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. You know what a good sign, and this, this is going to sting a little bit, and it hit me hard. You know what a good sign of someone who is spiritually immature, a good, a good litmus test, is how they can handle rebuke. Someone comes to you this morning and said, listen, I want you to know I heard you say this, and Christian don't need to say that sort of stuff, especially here, especially there. Our natural man wants to say, who do you think you are? Isn't that right? Because we're all that way. I'm that way. <laughs> Guess what? I don't like being told you are wrong and you messed up, and neither do you. But I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. When God came to Jonah and asked him, you right? You good? You doing right? Are you all right? And Jonah said, yes! Now that's a sign he was immature. And when we react the same way, it's a sign that we're immature. It's a sign that I'm immature. Can you all see that in the Bible? A wise son heareth his father's instruction. That's the Bible. That's the, that's the instruction of what the Bible teaches and how we're supposed to live and those that God puts in our life to lead us. But a, a scorner cannot and will not hear rebuke. They said something to me, I can't believe they would do that. Maybe the Lord's trying to speak to you. Maybe the Lord's trying to help you. Hear it. Even if you don't disagree with it, or even if you don't necessarily agree with it, you ought to hear it and ask God, Lord, you trying to tell me something here? Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm 
always in need of improvement. In every area of my life, I need to improve. And when I feel that, that green monster come up in me, that Hulk smash, I have to ask the Lord, God, I don't want to have that spirit. I don't want to be like Jonah. What about our difficulty? And this is a real kicker, and we're done right here. Jonah was so difficult that no matter how many times God tried to tell him, and he would even say, God, I'm listening now, the next day, completely disregarding what God told him. We come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, VBS, whatever it may be. And God, just like He did for Jonah, He sends His Word to you. This morning, He's using me, just like He used that fish. Yes, I did just compare myself to a whale. I'm just a, I'm just a, that's right, it's a great fish, not necessarily a whale, but probably a whale. I'm just a tool of God. I don't know anything. What I do know, I find out more and more I don't know. God's Word does. Can I tell you what the most disheartening thing is for a preacher? When God gives him a word, and he goes and he delivers it, and it seems to be of none effect. That's why I can't understand Jonah. And why wasn't he dancing and rejoicing? Why wasn't he just shouting and rejoicing that God would use him and that people listened? Sometimes a preacher gets up and pours his heart out. And here's what you may or may not understand. Any of you who've ever done any teaching or if you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about. When you pour your heart out and God's put a message on your heart and it's burdened you, especially like, like one this morning. And I'm going to be honest. I told Brother Joe, I said, I want, I'd love to preach literally anything else this morning. It's hard. You pour that out. You're just looking for somebody to move. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about saying this because let me, let me just be clear. I don't want you to move because I want you to move. I don't care. That's trivial. That's, that's just a gourd. It just makes me feel better. I want you to move for the same reason I prayed the prayer I prayed before I preached this morning from God up there in that parsonage down praying, asking God, God, please, I, I want to be a help to these people. And sometimes help hurts a little bit. God helped Jonah with that big, stinky fish. It wasn't fun, but he needed to hear it. You know what Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 12 says? Nothing. There is no verse number 12. God gives Jonah a message, and the book ends. That's the sad period on Jonah's story. We don't see Jonah turn around. We don't see Jonah repent, say he's sorry, go to the Ninevites and try to help them. The implication is that Jonah never got it. The preacher comes in and preaches and pours his heart out to a congregation of people 
we all get up and we go our separate ways. Nobody moves. Nobody changes. Nobody repents. and Nobody turns. God is looking down and He is asking this question. Doest thou well? That's a sobering question, isn't it? Can I be the first one to tell you this morning? I don't do well. I got things in my life where the Lord's dealing with me constantly and then I turn around and do the same dumb thing again. And God's going, think you're all right down there the way you are? Think you're doing well? Doing well this morning? Are you doing well? That's the question. The question is not just to be heard. A question is to be answered. So the question is, doest thou well? What are you going to do with the message? You're going to be like Jonah? I don't have to listen to that preacher. Don't listen to me, please. But listen to the Word of God. I've not tried to build some, beautiful, some crazy account. I'm just giving you exactly what the Bible says this morning. I've tried my best to give it as clear and plain and simple as I can right here in the Scriptures. We can see it. God is speaking to you. You going to answer? We'll be the first to answer this morning. We'll be the first to say, no, I'm not doing well. God's speaking to me. We'll be the first. Let's stand. All of us together. Ms. Brandy, I'm not going to ask you to come to the piano this morning. I appreciate your faithfulness that you, I know you would. But I, I don't want to coerce you and beg you and prod you and pick you. It's just a simple question. Are you doing well? You're perfectly fine the way you are. There's God speaking to you this morning. Let's all bow our heads. Because I know that that sorry, low-down devil is going to try and speak to your heart and say, ah, don't go. People will know that you've been doing things you shouldn't or thinking or saying things you shouldn't. Who cares? You know what it does for me when I see somebody go to the altar? It gives me joy. Amen. That God would speak to us like you did Jonah. I've, uh, I, I've offended God enough times and, and, and treat, mistreated God enough times that he, He'd do well and He'd be right to be done with me. What a good God. That when we're wrong and we're selfish and we're self-centered and we're we're uh, dramatic and we're displeased and we point our fingers and we run our mouths. That He still loves us. And He still comes to where we're at and He still speaks to our hearts. What a God who is rich in mercy, who would love us so much. I don't deserve a God like that. Neither do you, neither did Jonah. I don't want my story to end like his did. 
I don't want to ever walk away and go down that path and go the wrong way and people look and say, well, you know, God tried to speak to them, but they just wouldn't hear it. God tried to to reach them and He did this to get their attention and He did that to get their attention, but they just could not be bothered to look toward God with a contrite heart. Don't let that be your story this morning. Our Father, Lord, God in heaven, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You, Lord, God, we fail You. God, we're displeased, we're dramatic, and we're downright childish. God, You're long-suffering, You're merciful, You love us, and God, You don't cast us aside, You don't get done with us, and You don't lash out in fury and judgment and wrath. God, You send a word just to speak to us like You did to Jonah, God, I pray this morning, please, don't let these people here, don't let me be so confident God, help us not to be wise in our own minds, in our own hearts, and confident like Jonah, pointing a finger up. I'm right even unto death. God, help us, Lord. For the Bible teaches that God resisteth the proud, but He giveth grace unto the humble. God, I need grace. Lord, I need mercy. Every man, every single man, in this building, every single woman in this place, every young person, every child needs grace. We need grace. We need a humble spirit. God, I pray, Lord, please speak to us. Draw us near to You. Work in our hearts. Change us. Show us the error of our ways. Help us, God, not to point a finger up or, Lord, to scoff, Lord, or or be a scorner, God, to be a negative all the time, pointing down and saying this and running this down and saying that and, and looking at this and displeased here and dramatic there. God, help us, Lord, to have a grateful spirit. Help us, God, Lord, to have an uplifted spirit, to look toward heaven, God, to understand that we do not deserve your mercy. We do not deserve your grace. And God, we are lowly. And as the Bible says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I pray this morning, speak to our hearts. Help us and draw us to you. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.
Thank you.